Hello and welcome to day 22 here on a Saturday's Live podcast, the honest guide to living and working abroad. Did I say Podmas? Day 22 of Podmas? You don't need to know what Podmas is, you know by this point. My name's Leanne. My name is Al. And welcome back. Hello, hello. Some of you listened to yesterday, you will hear that James gave us some really, really good advice. James um, runs a big group in uh, of expats on Facebook. Um, he's also been doing it for a long, long time. Um, got some re- got some really good feedback from his episode yesterday. Um, so today we are going to go and continue with his advice. Do we just kick straight off with this? Or I think we should. Let's let's dive in. So this one was what we asked him. What's your biggest realization about living and working abroad? I found that locals are often more welcoming and eager to interact in lesser known, off the beaten path places. Popular tourist destinations, aside from being overcrowded and overpriced, can feel systematic and impersonal, especially during peak season. This is such a good one. Mm. We, we 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 mentioned yesterday that we do um, we do the second city, so we de- tend not to go to the capital city. We tend to go to the second city in the country. But even then, when you go further out, you find that first of all, you're able to practice your language skills better because people have got more time for you. Um, and secondly, yeah, you just get a totally different experience, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, you know, as, as James said, when when it is peak season in that particular place, and of course peak season will shift depending where in the world that you are, people are busy. People haven't really got as much time, you know. They're, they're there to do their work. They're there to do a job. You are a tourist. You are a customer. It's a very transactional situation whereas I think he's right when you have a situation where you're somewhere off peak um, or off the beaten track where people don't usually see tourists local people are a lot more willing to to talk to you you know what are you doing here mm-hmm. why are you here and not in the capital or the second city or um or you know off peak and I think we even saw this when we lived in Spain where we were somewhere for you know a number of years and, and multiple seasons even our experience as locals would would shift during the summer months. And to be honest, you get to the point, I think, that if you're there for long term, you avoid these types of places in summer because they're just so busy and chaotic and they do put their prices up over summer. We've talked about tourist tax before. It's a thing and fair enough. Um, So I agree. I think if you can get off the beaten track or go somewhere a little off peak, um, you are going to have much more of an authentic experience as to what it is to, to live local life. Yeah, we've talked before about uh, going to Bulgaria. We talked yesterday about going to Bulgaria, a place called Haskovo in the centre. Um, and um, our the, the guy who we're renting from took us out to and bought us a big pile of chicken hearts, um, mm. which which were not very good. But then he admitted later on he didn't like them either. Um, and I think he was playing a bit of a joke on us anyway. I think so. But but exactly that that we just have these these just the most amazing experiences. I, I remember in Spain, we lived in slightly more rural Spain, so a place called Axaquia, which is kind of like east of Malaga. So if you imagine Malaga on the, like Spain goes kind of like a weird shape towards the bottom. It's got Gibraltar as a little point, but this is kind of like, um, it's like a flat bit. I'm not explaining very well, but basically it's, I guess if you think of Spain as a clock and Malaga might be six because it's right at the bottom on the yeah. coast, the Axaquia is maybe like, like five o'clock, but inland. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we lived in this mountain village, which was about 6,000 people. um, And we just got some of the most authentic experiences there. I remember distinctly us going to this little place called, um, 
I think it was Las, Pin- Las Pinas. They, um, it was at, we drove out into the countryside, mm-hmm. went to a tiny little place, huge, huge fireplace, um, and the chalkboard saying, what do you have to, to eat today? And there was like three things on it. And one of them was, we thought we translated it into lamb, but it was actually wild boar, I think, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I remember just sitting there and and they brought this food out and it was just amazing food and they were so welcoming to us and so like you know as as you said what are you doing here what what how are you like sixty kilometers away from Malaga um, you know English people so uh, yeah you get such a such a great experience living living or or go, visiting places that are as you say off the beaten track you do and I think that's where we've met people that we've stayed in touch with like we've I know we mentioned Bulgaria a lot but. Nico, you know, I think in our Airbnb review, he put something like they came as guests, they left as friends. Mm. And we really did because we were all in this kind of like compound together. We were in like multiple houses. They were all his, but he rented out like six of them, um, but all on the same plot. So yeah, half five would come around and Nico would be knocking on the door with a bottle of pink wine by I think <laughs> day five. Um, so yeah, you do you do make friends. And we've talked a lot before about our, our second family in Malaga, um, our time in Lithuania during Maribor. the lockdown. What did I say? Second family in... Maribor. Maribor in Slovenia, yeah. Yes, sorry, what did I say? You said Malaga. Oh, yeah. sorry, Maribor in Slovenia. Um, lockdown in Lithuania and Vilnius. Oh, yeah. People were so kind and so generous. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good, a really good tip. But I think it's also one that is perhaps best done when you're a little bit into your kind of journey already. Because mm. it is going to be a little bit more of a culture shock than the bigger bigger cities True. and place will be. Um, particularly the kind of, I think, the further east that, that you go. Um, so maybe just a bit of a word of warning. It, it can be a bit more intimidating. Um, there aren't as many people that will speak English. Um, and people that aren't really expecting you to be there or don't experience tourists very often. So... I think it's maybe one to do when you've got a few few destinations under your belt. Definitely. I mean, we went to um, we went to Sigeshwara. Uh, I think. I'm sorry if you're Romanian, you're listening to this. This is that's an awful pronunciation. Um, and it was a tiny little village, kind of in the Transylvanian mountains. Really, really cool village. And we went and had a wine tasting and they were about to close and they said, all right, yeah, we'll stay open for you. Really cool. But then things like, oh, I think it was on our, was it our first day or our last day? And the host sat down with us like, sit down, we're going to have some shleva. Shle- shle- well, it wasn't shleva there, but it was basically plum brandy they'd made or was it plum brandy? Anyway, there was some... I think it was, yeah. Homemade stuff. And you just have these most amazing experiences. And even if the, if you can't speak the same language, you've got Google Translate, you've got facial expressions. And the fact is that if someone is sitting down and giving you something they've made that's quite special, you know that, you know, you know, it's, you know you're having a cool time. Yeah, and we've we've done it in Croatia as well. I mean, yes, we're in in split now, and you do notice. And I think what's quite funny is when you you kind of, I think particularly the period of maybe like late October in, through November, <clears throat> people are surprised to see you're still here if you're a tourist. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but can't really be asked with you. Yeah. Like I've had six months of back to back tourists. This is meant to be my time off. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing here? Um, so I think again with that, you know, if you're a little bit off the beaten track a bit or not quite in the touristy places, people might have a bit more energy and a bit more more time left for you perhaps. But, you know, we we spent some time in Amotsky, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, which was really cool and a lot more local. And I think, I'm sure we told the story before about Al wandering into somebody's back garden by mistake and ending <laughs> up sitting down and sharing a bottle of wine with him. That was a long dog walk. Thought he'd left me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. It is. It's just fun and you get those... 
you get those experiences. The touristy things are great. And I think the touristy things are a really good way to navigate a place that you're new to in a safer environment, perhaps, or a more predictable environment, perhaps. Um, but yeah, if you're feeling confident, go for it. Yeah, and our experience is, you say safe, but our experience, we've never, I mean, there's been the one time, there was a couple of times, like when we were living in Mostar in um, in uh, Herzegovina, which is part of Bosnia and Herzegovina, where the taxi driver uh, turned the meter off about a mile away from where we lived. And we were like, well, mm. this is going to be, and he started, and he turned around and asked for, an, you know, it wasn't a stupid amount of money, but it was it good. It was three times the fare that we paid to get yeah. into town. Um, and so we both had to say, no, here's the money and we're getting out of the taxi. And of course, you know, that is a that is a scary situation. There's another time we flew into Ljubljana Airport and a taxi driver wouldn't take it because we'd parked our car in a little, about two kilometres away from this, uh, from Ljubljana Airport. And so all the taxi drivers in Ljubljana, they're kind of like, feels like a bit of a mafia there, doesn't it? Mm. There's lots of Mercedes, lots of men in black coats and stuff. Um, and uh, when when we got into the taxi and he realised we were only going like two kilometres down the road, he was like, nope, get out, get out, I don't want you. Took our bags, threw them on the ground. And this guy said, I'll take you. And we we're like, okay, you're a taxi driver? Yeah, yeah, I'm a taxi driver. And then just we walked into this dark car park into the back with the black Mercedes, like 80 grand Mercedes. Mm. And uh, And I think I even texted my friend and went, look, this is my location. If I don't text you in about an hour's time, will you do me a favour and just call the police? But actually, turned out to be a really nice bloke. And- really nice bloke. And I don't think we would have taken that risk hadn't we already spent quite a lot of time in Slovenia mm. and known that generally people are really, really kind and friendly. Um, but I think that's actually a really good tip if you are, if you do find yourself in that type of situation from a safety perspective. Um, in taxis, for example, I think there's two that stand out to me. The one that I'll just mention there in, in um, Bosnia and Herzegovina, um, we actually, when we saw him switch off the meter, we actually got him to drop us at a bar, which was mm. about half a mile away from where we lived yeah. and had the discussion there, knowing that we could walk into a bar that we'd been to a few times before and they kind of knew us. Um, and also this dude didn't know where we lived. Yeah. So I think it's things like that. Like I said, with the the one in Ljubljana, texting somebody and, and letting them know. And I think the other thing that, that we always kind of, I think the only time that we we got into this pickle was when Uber was fairly new to Thailand. Oh, yeah. And we got off the plane in Bangkok, um, having come from the UK, so a long, long flight, um, and got an Uber who then took us to like this service station and was like, oh, I'm going to put you in my other taxis, my other friend's taxi. And we were like, nah, we'll get off here. Thanks, mate. It's like, oh, you won't get another taxi here. And it's like, well, I'd rather take the chance of that than get in your random mate's car in Bangkok, in a massive city with lots of traffic, when we're still a good 45-minute drive away from where we're staying. And it did take us a long time to get a taxi, but equally, we knew we were safe. Um, and I think that's one thing that we, we've we always kind of done subsequently. And I think it was actually Alec, our friend that recommended this, who travels a lot in, in Southeast Asia. Can I said to us, just, just cough up the money and book your taxi from the airport in advance. Like, book somebody who's going to meet with those signs with your name on. Because the last thing you want to be doing is haggling with taxi drivers and somewhere new about the price of something or where you're going you know book it through an established company get yourself from the airport to where you're staying and then navigate how things work locally and i think that's a really good tip not only in terms of safety but i think in terms of potentially getting ripped off yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant another thing to consider is that um that what we believe and you may believe the same is that when you go into uber and schedule a taxi and you think, oh, right, well, someone's basically locked that in and going, yep, I will take you there. What they, what doesn't, what, what Uber doesn't tell you is that when you schedule a taxi, all it's doing is, is just a few minutes beforehand, it's just saying, who wants to take these guys here? Um, 
we scheduled a taxi for the following day to take us quite a distance, you know, a good like 80 kilometres, 100 kilometres in, in Southeast Asia from Bangkok to uh, Amphoire, I think it was. Yeah. Um, we got into the taxi and the taxi driver obviously then, we thought he was a pre-booked, knew where we were going. He didn't. And then it said, we're taking you here. But I can't take you there. You know, this is this is like 80 kilometres away. I can't take you there. And basically kicked us out. So don't rely on this pre-booking of Uber either. Also just bear in mind that Uber, Lyft, Bolt, all these kind of um, cameo, uh, if you book through the app, often they don't know where you're going until you get into the car. So if you are booking a long distance one, it's better off looking for a transfer service than it is actually looking for a local taxi. Yes, excellent tip. By the way, um, if you are in Asia, then transfer services are relatively cheap. Probably, would you say it's about the same as flying? Yeah. Internally? So we did it a couple of didn't we? Going from... Um, Bangkok down to Koh Chang, mm-hmm. um, which you can fly from Bangkok down to, or I can't even remember now, these names used to be like ingrained Tree, in there. Not Trieste, begins with T. Um, our regular, uh, Trat. Trat. You can fly to Trat. Yeah, which is only about an hour flight, if yeah, that. Yeah. And then you can get a transfer from there over to Koh Chang. Um, but we kind of priced it out. It might have been slightly more expensive. It might have been like, not much, maybe like 20 pounds, 20 euros more expensive. Mm-hmm. But instead of like faffing around of getting a taxi from where you're staying to the airport, which in Bangkok mm-hmm. takes an hour, <laughs> wherever you're going in Bangkok <laughs> takes an hour minimum. Um, yeah, that's an hour. Then you're hanging around the airport and checking all your shit in and then you're getting on the plane and then you're getting off again. Then you're collecting your bags and then you get a taxi to the ferry and then you're getting blah, blah, blah. Whereas this was door-to-door service, like the taxi and nice taxis as well, usually yeah, yeah. meet you outside your hotel in Bangkok and they stay with you until they drop you off in your hotel in in, um, in Koh Chang. It's, it's a brilliant way to do it. And you can chill out. You get to see a bit of the countryside as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'd fly again, actually, on that route no. in particular, because it's just, it takes about the same amount of time. It's about the same cost, but it's just so much easier. Yeah, definitely. And um, data is so cheap in Asia. So go and get your page go SIM. 20 gig will probably cost you about 15 quid. Um, that costs about $20. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you just, we were sitting in the back of the car watching like Netflix. Um, he stopped every hour. We had a, had a, like a coffee or something. He took care of the ferry. Um, it was just, yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was a hundred percent. If your, if, if your journey's going to be like three or four hours, I would recommend as Leanne would getting a, a, a transfer service rather than, um, rather than um, a flying. Anyway, so we have something else from James before we finish. So he said, what's what's your advice for anyone looking to travel or live abroad in 2023? So let's listen to what James said. For an insider perspective, join expat and digital nomad Facebook groups in the areas you wish to experience and take the time to read member posts and comments. You'll find recommendations on cafes, co-working spaces, hangouts, meetups, and even where to find urgent medical care. Use the search icon in the upper right-hand corner of the group pages to research topics before asking group members. These communities are happy to help, but long-term members can grow weary of fielding the same questions repeatedly. I think you can tell that James... um that James runs a group and probably sees at least five or six posts a day on something that's been answered many, many times before. 
Yeah, and it is it is annoying, particularly I think in the expat groups where there are people around and there's a bit of a community going. It can be annoying to hear, see people asking the same question again. So I get that, definitely search. And it's quicker for you as well. If someone's already asked the question and answered it, it's going to be much quicker to get that information than waiting for someone to reply. We've talked about Facebook groups so much before on the podcast. They're such a good resource if you're researching somewhere to go, if you've just landed somewhere. Um, Some of the expat groups can be a bit ring-fenced. They might ask you some questions. So getting into them to research before you land there might be tricky. But the nomad groups, of course, are a lot more open. And I get it as well from an expat perspective. They want to keep you know, a group that's, that the members are engaged and they're active on in the group. So I totally get it. But yeah, it's such a valuable resource. And what I particularly loved about about the groups is that they, you know, people are so generous with their time and will often respond to what's going on. So for example, COVID for us, it was so brilliant. The, the groups that we found in, in Slovenia, in Croatia, right from, you know, what's happening with the lockdowns through to how you can get your vaccine as a foreigner, um, case numbers, all sorts of like translating the rules for you, what you can and can't do. It was so, so good. Um, and I had another scenario as well, but I've now forgotten. Oh, But you also find that um, there, are, there are quite a lot of locals in the group anyway, um, and they quite rightly um, have got often have got things to sell, like, you know, rent, apartments to rent or whatever, but they can be an invaluable resource um, because you can often like, for example, send a picture of a piece of post or a piece of mail that you got and you don't know what it means and someone will translate it, whereas Google Translate will do it very literally. Um, They will tell you this is what it means. Um, James also mentioned, have you remembered what you were going to say? Oh, I was just going to say about there, I remember as well, there's lots on the um, Facebook groups when there's that earthquake and split when we were here in April. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's lots of really quick information on that as well, um, which is useful. What My point was that they tend to respond to, to what's going on even, you know, very quickly as well. Yeah, and it's Facebook. So you're always going to get the people who are very polarised in their opinions. Mm. Um, you know, there is, what we found in expat groups, people tend towards... Uh, don't spend any money getting outraged at being charged like a euro more for something. Um, you know, we can't kind of take that with a pinch of salt. You know, it's, it's not that we're, you know, supremely wealthy. We get annoyed when we get overcharged, but at the same time, we've talked before, it's the tourist tax. Now, James mentioned also um, in another message he sent us something about taking pictures of your important documents. I think we covered that with um, Luke, um, but just as a reminder, everything... Take screenshots of everything. Take pictures of your passports because if you're at a border, there's a good chance you're not going to get 4G, so you're not going to be able to download your photos. So should we have a little listen to the last couple of messages from James? Yeah. When researching accommodations or other travel experiences, learn to trust your instinct rather than relying on reviews or ratings. Sometimes the latter are misleading. For example... Recently, I stayed at a place in Copenhagen that was rated almost five stars, but the room was dirty. The sheets smelled like someone who had not taken a shower in weeks, and the bathroom had black mold. Despite the high ratings, I'd had a funny feeling about the place, but downplayed those concerns because of the great review. And finally... Don't expect that you will always have the same comforts and conveniences of home while you travel, especially in Eastern Europe, for example. 
In winter, your apartment might be too cold. Or you may find that service providers are not as customer-oriented as you expect. The when in Rome rule applies. Observe and interact with the people around you and receive the setting and culture you have chosen to spend time in, rather than expecting everything to be exactly like home. This is such a big one. That last one is, you are traveling, you're going to different cultures, you're going to different areas, you're going to do things, people, we've got different standards. And so, you know, what you might think is five star in the US, Australia, whatever, um, over here, five it might be the equivalent of three star. Sorry, the other way around. Whatever's five star in Croatia might be three star in in Australia. Um, just chill out. You're here to have an experience, and if that experience is having to find somewhere else to live, to to sleep, sleep for the night at eleven o'clock at night because you've checked in and it's a bit shit. Yes, that's not great, but at the same time, it's a great story. It's the same thing, you know. Get those recommendations, whether it's people that you know who've already been there. Uh, whether it was said before, boots on the ground um, and talk to local people, check the Facebook groups as well. The reality is you do have to do some research. And I think James is right. You you know, you take the reviews with a bit of a pinch of salt, but but dive into them as well. I lost count the number of restaurants in Spain that we were recommended by local people, looked on TripAdvisor and had like three out of five. Mm-hmm. But when you looked in the reviews, like they don't do chips. They wouldn't do me yeah. a fried egg for breakfast. And it's like, dude... Come on. So yeah, I think you need to dive into it. But to give you a bit of reassurance, we've stayed in hundreds of Airbnbs and hotels, like hundreds. Mm-hmm. If we add them all up, I think that last count's like 186 or something. Yeah. Um, There's only one place that we had to leave early. Can you remember? Oh, hang on. I think this might be um, Cambodia. Meanwhile. Myanmar where oh well it was well it was a weird place it looked like it looked like it looked like you know when you see um horror films like yeah. Saw or something it looked like that hostel yes it was grim we left we left did we leave on the same day or did we stay overnight no we stayed I think we stayed one night um, and then the next day we just left and the fellow was just like yeah fair enough I'm not even gonna charge it <laughs> <laughs> and we found somewhere else so yeah of hundreds there's only one that we were like this is so bad, we can't even stay here longer than a night. There's some some places, if, if you know, they've looked a bit more tired, they looked on the pictures, a bit older. Um, but yeah, typically they're absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Do your research. As James says, you know, use your, your gut instinct as well. But of, of the hundreds where you've stayed in, we've only had one disaster. Exactly. And a great tip is if you're looking on Airbnb, they often take photos with fisheye lens, which means that everything looks bigger. Look at the floor tiles. They're usually around about sort of 12 inches. Um, and so the floor, so you can kind of measure how big it is. There's three floor tiles across. The entire apartment looks massive. You go, no, no, that's 36 inches across from wall to sofa. Um, and you'll notice the, the language that people will use in reviews as well, like cozy, cute, petite, mm-hmm. um, that usually is a euphemism for really, really, really freaking small. Um, so yeah, again, it's another another reason to dive in into the reviews and see what people are saying. Exactly, and and also don't be afraid if you have got the the funds to do. Don't be afraid to leave early. We stayed in a place in Stechin in um, Poland. Again, Polish people listening, I'm sorry, I'm probably butchered the name. Said little place that looked lovely, but we but it turned out to be basically a studio apartment with um with a little um. Oh, yeah. 
Really Even nice. then, though, I think we only left a day early. Yeah, but we still, a week. but we still said, look, you know, this is not going to work. So we 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 did leave. Um, so don't be afraid. You know, this is all part of the adventure. Um, if you want five star beautiful travel, then you go on holiday or you pay for it. If you want to find something that will might be a hidden gem, like we that place we talked about before in Sigeshwara in um, um, in Romania was basically the upstairs of his house. But it was really nice. Yeah, it was sweet. And that was only a studio. I think it was basically the bed was separated by, by a, a few beams, but it was really cute. Yeah, and you do find those gems and that's so exciting. I think the ones that stand out to me recently was the place in Mercy that we stayed over summer. Oh yeah, that was amazing. That was incredible. Like the pictures looked nice, but it, they could tell that they'd, they'd recently refurbished. It didn't quite look finished, but I think they just hadn't updated the pictures. And this place was one of the nicest apartments we've ever stayed in. We took so much inspiration from that place for our like forever inverted commons. Because when are we ever going to do that? But if we did get our own place, definitely lots of inspiration from that. So you do get those little gems as well. But truth be told, if we list our top five Airbnbs, at least three out of five of those are the Airbnb Plus. Yeah. Um, it is a feature that I think works in our experience. We've not stayed in many of them, but all of the ones that yeah, we stayed yeah. in have been exceptional. Yeah. Um, so I think if you do have the money to spend and you are looking for somewhere nicer, in our experience, using the Airbnb Plus is a good way to go. And that's not Superhost. Uh, Superhost t- doesn't seem to mean anything to us apart. Yeah. I, th- I think Superhost is that you respond quickly to to issues, which <laughs> if you've got lots of issues that you respond quickly, then you're probably going to be a Superhost. So, but yeah, Airbnb Plus. And the second tip that we've got is that if you have got a, a property that's new on, no reviews, um, then there's a good chance that it's going to be massively underpriced. That is what in Mercia. Yeah. Um, if they hadn't up, they, they, in fact, both of them, I think both the ones we stayed in Spain, very few reviews. Um, and so it's a massive risk because we booked it for a month, but Mm. it was probably half what it should have been and half what it will be next year. Yeah. And, and we rarely, rarely do that if it doesn't have reviews, rarely do it. And I think in this case, it was mainly because didn't they have another Another listing on that Airbnb. That was going to be my second tip, was that if, if you look at the host, then if they've got another place that's an Airbnb Plus, for example, then you know just this is a brand new property, no reviews, but they're, they, they, they know what they're doing. Anyway, so shall we call it a day for day... What are we on? Day 22. And we're back for day 23. Anything to finish? Because I feel like I cut you off very abruptly there. Anything to say before we finish? Nope, I'm done. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.